Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a great episode for you today. It is with the Canadian booker for Just for Laughs, Neil Bansell. And when I started this podcast, it was to bring people episodes just like this one, where I'm getting information that'll make it easier for you to pursue comedy. This is a great episode if you want to be in festivals, because Neil has a lot of really great information. And Neil being the Canadian talent booker for Just for Laughs, this is a great episode if you one day want to be in Just for Laughs. We get into all of that stuff after Neil and I talk about how we met in a show we did together. It's a great chat. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Neil Bansell. It's so good to see you. It's been years. We saw each other last in Charleston at a show that uh, actually won the opportunity to open for. It was a Mr. So show, most great show on earth. I always have to say races, not racist. Yeah. There were a few people. I was like, yeah, I'm doing Mr. So. They're always at Sanford. Most racist show on earth. You're like, oh, you guys are going to tell a bunch of racist jokes? I was like, that's not the point. That's not what. This is the diversity show. A bunch of races of people will be represented. <laughs> right. It always worked in the in the deep south, you know. Yeah. The competition to be on that show was in Charleston. And when I went down, I don't think I ever told you this. The day of the competition, I was at a restaurant and Bill Murray was there. And no way. yeah, because he owns a bunch of stuff in, in Charleston. And uh, he co-owned this restaurant. I got into entertainment because of Bill Murray. Like I saw Ghostbusters, like many people, Michael Sarah, a bunch of other people saw Ghostbusters and wanted to yeah. be an actor because of Bill Murray. So I, I went up to him and said, Hey, I'm doing a comedy show tonight. Just wanted to say thank you because you're the reason I got into entertainment and wanted to do what I do. And he laughed and looked at his friend and said, well, at least he didn't say you're the reason I went into the army. <laughs> like, that's, that's classic. Like he was super, yeah, yeah. super funny. He was perfect uh, when I interacted with him. And then he started asking about the show and where it was. And I told him it was at Theater 99. And he was like, oh, it's a great space. He was talking to his buddy, talking up Theater 99 to his friend. Yeah. And then that night I went and did the show and was named that night as the person to go open for this Mr. So show. And I credit it all to Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> my good he's kind of classic he's a uh, he's definitely a guy that you know the bill murray sightings in charleston south carolina is everyone has a story where they've seen him somewhere right yeah so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. he is a, he is a good luck charm good for you yeah yeah That's that was a, it was great to do that also another thing i never told you when i was at the mr so show i did my set and then during a break in the show I went to the bathroom and a guy I knew in, in high school, we weren't super close or anything. We just had a couple of classes together, but he was like, Hey, Jason, it's Chris from Spartan high. I didn't know we lived there. We hadn't seen each other in 
over 10 years. And yeah. he was like, oh, man, I was in the show. You you were awesome. That was so great. And like, I, I just knew in high school that you like had something <laughs> that you like, you were always kind of quiet and to yourself. And like, it just was clear you wanted to break out. But I knew that you were funny. And it's so great seeing you really shining like you were uh, on the right. I was like, man, it's been a great trip. <laughs> Weird randomness for you. That's that's great. But hey, it worked out, right? Yeah, yeah. Finally getting a high school validation. I'd have to remember who was on that show. Clayton English was one yeah. of the names on there. And Mia Jackson also on there. Yeah. Crushed. And I don't know, there were a ton of people on that show. Actually. Yeah, a bunch of comedians all went, you know, L.A., New York. Yeah. We've used them in uh, just for laughs a few times, you know, so, mm -hmm. but the, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the, the caliber of comedians who have gone through that show. So yeah, I'm proud of that. Actually, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, you should be. You were doing it about 20 years. Are you still putting on shows with that? Or did that, did you, did you? No, no, that? no. Yeah. I paused it. Uh, it uh, our last, uh, sh like everybody, the pandemic actually right. stopped that. But then I was like, okay, let's, let's kind of hold, you know, wait a minute, wait <laughs> before bringing it back again. And then this came aboard, you know, this came, this yeah. opportunity and just yeah. relapsed. So I was like, well. I think I'll just try this for a while. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back here to where you started in entertainment. I know that you worked in radio for a few years and you, yeah. like myself, did traffic reporting. I did. Which yeah. is a fun job. I always enjoyed doing that job. I did that job for, for since I was 16. I, I was the youngest traffic reporter. I didn't even have a license yet <laughs> when I got that job. And I was here directing traffic to people. So... Yeah, I, I actually got the job through a co-op program through my high school. Oh, cool. And yeah. So I was I was originally the person who got the coffee for everybody in the mornings <laughs> and then ended up do getting the job, you know? Weirdly. So that was that was fun. That was that was really interesting because I was like the only high school kid to be on the radio, you know? Yeah. How did that did the did you use a different name? Did other people know it was you or like, how did that play out I, through I, high school? I did. They, you could, you could use different names for different radio stations. So I used yeah. my real name for some, but then I used, I think it was James Griffin was, which is my porno name. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's your, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a variation of my porno name. That's, that's, <laughs> and I decided to use that. I was like, okay, well, there you go. James Griffin. So that was fun. That was fun. For yeah, me. I wanted, I got to use a couple of fake names, but the one that I really wanted to use that my boss at the time wouldn't let me use was Urban Sprawl, but I couldn't get that Makes one. sense. Get that one to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense. So the, what, how did the other high schoolers act about? Was it cool? Were you like. Did you get some cred at school? <laughs> Being able not to... not really, <laughs> not really. No one was er up early enough to to listen to me on the radio. So that's a, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I wasn't on the cooler radio stations. I was on like a rock station and a talk radio station, right? Yeah. So yeah, not the not the no, no high school kids are listening to that. Yeah, yeah. Not the like, pop who cares, Neil? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> But that was fun. I did that for like eight, nine years. Okay, I, I, yeah. I was on a bunch of different major radio stations in Toronto during that time. 
Yeah. And, and then, so, yeah, and you are originally from, is it Toronto or elsewhere? I'm originally born in Toronto and raised there. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I've been, I was in Toronto and Markham was where I was, where this little town or city now, which is just Northeast of Toronto. And I moved to the U S in 2006. And oh, wow. I was in the U S for quite a while. And that's yeah. how, that's how I started doing the shows in the U S. Okay. And, but you had started Mr. So in like 2004, right? Yeah. I started Mr. So in 2004 and we did our first show in a 300 seat theater. And oh, that wow. was, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a daunting task, but we did it. We made it, it worked, sold out awesome. and, and yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's a lot more money in producing than performing stand-up <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i shouldn't say that <laughs> well i guess it depends <laughs> yeah if you're chris rock yeah probably make it right <laughs> right right exactly when did comedy become a part of your life like was that something you started obviously you started before mr so but was that something start you started when you were still on the radio yeah yeah i mean i i wanted to be a co-host or a, a radio station in Toronto and just be the funny co-host kind of mm -hmm. thing. But I didn't even know that stand-up was a thing. I just decided to try it on a whim. I still know the day. It's April 14th, 1997 was the wow. day I got on stage. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah, but uh, they I, I, started early. <laughs> started young. Yeah, they had the, I still have the tape from it. It's horrible. I forgot <laughs> everything I was going to say, right? And I, I had all the notes underneath a, a hat that I was wearing. And every time I, I would say a sentence, I would take my hat off and look at it, look at the notes and then put it back on. So people started realizing that the notes were under my hat. So I'm like, no, nothing's underneath there. Nothing's underneath there. But that started it. Not, I was, I was still in high school and doing stand up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I fell in love with it. So I was doing stand up almost every, every night, almost, you know? So that was the thing is, and back in those days, you could still smoke in, mm -hmm. in clubs, in, oh, wow, yeah. in bars and restaurants. So every time I'd come home, I'd be smelling like smoke reeking. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. My parents would be like. You're, you know, you're a drug dealer. I know it. <laughs> I know you're a drug dealer, right? Because there's no reason why I should be like, you know, smelling that bad every night, right? So it was good. But it doesn't it good. take long to be around so much cigarette smoke <laughs> to, to no. end up reeking of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised I, I, I don't have an issue health-wise after all that cigarette smoke. Because some yeah. of these, uh, yeah, uh, starting that young in these, in these clubs. It's insane they got, they, that they it took them it. so long to change it. I know. Oh, I, know. Yeah, I remember in college going to the karaoke bar and just like, after a while, you're sort of, you start thinking, do I want to go to the karaoke bar tonight? Because when I leave, I'm going to taste nicotine in my mouth, mm. even though I'm not yeah. smoking. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. how bad it was. Oh, oh gosh, it's horrible! It's horrible. What you think? <laughs> but I'll tell you, it was it, it was fun. It was fun going up yeah, on stage sure. and yeah. just learning. And you think you're so good. You think you're so you're like the best thing. I <laughs> thought I could do like headlining gigs after the, my first 
time on stage. Yeah. And then I look at the tape now, I'm like, what the hell? This guy is, I was bringing props on stage. I was doing <laughs> everything, all kinds of different styles of comedy just to figure out your voice yeah. type of thing, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I used to bring up a picture of a doctored picture of my parents on stage and the other comedian, the traditional comedian hated me because of the prop comedy. And I was yeah. Like, oh yeah. I mean like the famous person doing it then was carrot top and there were, yeah. though he was super successful comics hated on him so hard. So oh yeah. Few, probably, but yeah. Yeah. Don't use props. When you go on stage, just so it started a hatred of like guitars, yeah, musical instruments, just the the traditionalist stand up comedians will be like, just a microphone and a stand and maybe a stool, and that's yeah. that's it. That's all you need, right? So I don't no. mind somebody who breaks a guitar up if it's funny, right? Sure, that's but I prefer not to. I think some people do it in such a way where they look like the guy who's walking around the college campus with his acoustic guitar and it's, and everyone right. just inherently hates that guy. <laughs> but if you can do it in a way where you're not coming across like that, then it's, then people accept it. And obviously people accept piano players. Like, you know, no, yeah. I, I don't hear anyone complain about yeah. but you know, like the Nick Thune, people would just hate on him because yeah. I guess, the beard with the acoustic guitar. Like, I guess it just, right. <laughs> this made people, you know what it is from you, from... you really have, if you're going to bring a guitar on stage, you really have to sing. Well, you have to be so you could be, you should be a musician first and a good vocalist mm -hmm. before you, you go on stage because that, that earns you points. As a stand-up comedian, where you can interweave like comedy into what is already an interesting thing to see, yeah. Right? If you sure. if you're really good at it, but yeah. if you're bad at it, if you're yeah. if you can't sing and you're just putting rhymes together and strumming chords, just stop. <laughs> just I don't want to see it. I'm, I'm like this is not this is not my cup of tea. But I totally it could be you. for other people. <laughs> Oh, uh, is that a guitar sure. in the back there? Uh, I do have a guitar in the back, and I can't play it. And that's oh, why I never brought it on stage, and never there will. Never will. Not there for comedy, go. at least. If I ever get proficient at it, then maybe I'll bring it on for the right reason. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. When did so? When did you say I want to produce shows? Like I want to go into that. Yeah, I I, I had been doing stand up for at least. 10 years well no eight eight years seven eight years and i had been passed up for shows like to get on, on comedy clubs past the comedy clubs in in the toronto area right not not i don't think it's because i wasn't funny i just think at the time a lot of the the rosters already had like a filipino comedian at the time right so uh, there and like, well, we already have one. Why do we? Need Why? One, yeah, right? they do like that, that type of thing, which is really weird. Person of color. Yeah. Oh yeah. So back then it was it was rampant. Yeah, right? and like, <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's literally the reason Eddie Murphy was on SNL and not Eddie Murphy and Robert Townsend. And right, because they originally were looking at Robert Townsend, and when someone brought up Eddie right. Murphy, 
the producer was like, we already have a black guy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. the novelty of two is ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I basically took that rejection and I decided at that moment that, you know, if no one was going to give me the opportunity, I'm going to create it myself. I was going to create my own opportunities mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and create my own show. And I had this idea and I thought it was funny. I thought, oh man, if we just, I remember talking to a comedian out front of an open mic one night and it's just telling him the idea. I'm like, dude, I'm going to do a show called the most racist show on earth. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, it, and it, it came to fruition. It actually happened. Right. So I made it a point to just, uh, I was, I was saying, well, there's a lot of multicultural talent in Toronto that I don't think is getting the stage time on the opportunity to perform on a larger stage. So I said, well, you know what, I'm going to create that and make that happen and I'll do it myself. If no one's going to give it to me, I'll do it myself. So that's, that's what happened. I, I, I found the, you know, that 300 seat theater. I decided to use my, the funniest friends I had that was of all different ethnicities and cultures, religions, whatever. And uh, yeah, just started putting on shows and lo and behold, people actually wanted that, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially in Toronto. Because you mentioned that it sold out the first show sold mm -hmm. out. So is that, do you contribute that to it was something people really wanted because there wasn't enough diversity on stage or was it that and also how you plugged it? Like what was, what was the, your trick there? Well, because I worked on the radio, I had, I had the, the inside, you know, insider deal on radio ads. So I would plug the show after every traffic report. And if you know, traffic ports, <laughs> most people are listening to traffic reports. Well, on their way home or on their way to work. So yeah. it would be like, this traffic port is brought to you by the most racist show on earth. Coming to the, the Atlantis theater, July, whatever, March 26th. And then people would go to the website. I know the web was pretty new. Yeah. They'd go to the website, they'd buy tickets and it was sold out. And people, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why. So oh, it, that's it just so not, that. that's such a great idea. It all worked, you know, the way it was supposed to work. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it happened. And I feel like the audience did feel like there was something lacking out there for them. Genuinely, mm -hmm. you know, that's aimed. It was like FUBU. It was like for us, by us kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. That type of mentality, mm -hmm. right? Where there's, here's a show that is rated by a Filipino guy. And it, it's, but it, it features the comedians who are just talking about life and yeah. not just, not just culture. Does they don't have to talk about their families or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They just have to be funny. That's it. Just be regularly funny. And then, so that freed that allowed the comedians to be free oh, and, and just, you know, say what they want to say. So yeah. <laughs> that was one of the big things is. Hey, I don't care what you say as long as it's funny. That's it. That's that's it. That was the criteria, right? You how, being you is enough. Yeah. How many shows were you doing early on? Was it once a month? What, what was the, how regular was it? Yeah, we, we only did it 
We only did it once a year, actually. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, yeah. And it was at the, it was on the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, uh, which uh, is an, which is an actual day. It's an, it's not a holiday, but it's a day that's nice around the world, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, on that particular day, it was done purposely because I mean, what, what else is news going to cover on that day? You know? Yeah. So we lucked out. We were able to get all this media attention and news outlets were, were asking us and interviewing us and stuff like that. And all the comedians got interviews from, you know, major Toronto newspapers and radio stations and whatever. Yeah. So then we, you just build on that year after year, you start doing two the next year. And then you, 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 we, (laughs) by the third year we were selling out a 710 seat theater in Toronto. And I remember walking in there and talking to the manager and just being like, and it was the blue man group was in the theater at the time. Oh, wow. And it was packed. The show was packed, but I had walked in there and they, this manager had no idea who I was, but I I told him, I said, we're going to sell this out. It's, it's going to happen. And they trusted me and it yeah. actually did sell out. So then there you go. So we That's had, out. you know, it worked. It worked. They, and then you said in 2006 was when you started taking it on the road and brought it to America? Brought it to the U.S., moved to Atlanta, Georgia. So started doing some shows in Atlanta, Georgia. What we precipitated that move? My wife is American. Oh, okay. And she was, she, yeah, she was going to school at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, let's go to, let's Dad. move to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, so I thought, you know, this is an opportunity to, to do something larger in the, in the U S Yeah, and every comedian at the time back in the day wanted to go to the U S anyways, mm-hmm. Toronto wasn't as cool back then. Canada oh, wasn't yeah. as cool back then. There was no Drake yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. So and all the famous Avril people Levine had moved. To, yeah, Avril Lavigne was the newest person who moved from Canada to the U.S. I guess. Yeah, right. So there was Skater Boy was hot, <laughs> and I decided at that point, you know what? Let's try. Let's try living in the U.S. and seeing what happens. Cool. So cool. there you go. You moved to Charleston eventually, right? I did. Yeah. After five years in Atlanta, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, An- it- another hotbed of stand-up comedy, but, but it was warm. The weather was warm. So yeah, for there's sure. that lovely town. But they had a, they, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they had a small little comedy community, which sure, I yeah. was fully there, yeah. involved in and, and they had a comedy festival, a major comedy festival, Charleston Comedy Festival. They yeah. also brought in a lot of talent. In fact, some of the talent that I, I used on some of most racist shows were in Charleston. The Janelle James, the, to name one, who's now oh, uh, the principal on Abbott yeah. Elementary. Yeah. You know? So how crazy is that? I know, right? right? But that's that's the thing. You got comedies everywhere. You just have to be able to spot it. Yeah. And uh, know who's going to, you know take it to that next level. And there yeah. have been a few, been a lot actually. So that's, that's good. <laughs> so as time yeah. has moved on, you start, you're, you're spotting a lot of talent. You're learning a lot about 
what makes for a good person for your show? What kind of went into that thought process? Yeah. Yeah. So if I look at the comedians that have performed at my show and other shows, you know, if I'm booking them anywhere, I'm, I'm really looking, I'm really looking for those comedians who have a very unique point of view, you know, they just, it's a strong point of view. They're, they're authentically, genuinely themselves. So for instance, like if you gave their act, written act to somebody else, the other person could not deliver it the way they deliver it. Right. And there's also, there's also a thing where they connect in a different way to the audience than anybody else that is on those on the show. Right. It's a feeling too. I, I don't know what it is. Like I just, you, you hone this comedic eye that's always continually looking for comedians who have that aspect yeah. of being exceptional, extraordinary, which is the being authentically like genuinely themselves when they're on stage. It's different. It's different. It is, you yeah. know, if I, if I hear like a hundred comedians doing airline food jokes, right. It's not unique. It's not innovative. <laughs> it's, it's any comedian could do that. Yeah. Right. But the moment you're able to do something different with it, mm -hmm. which I, 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 I'm pretty sure a lot of comedians think they're doing something different, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also think there's, you know, I think there's a vulnerability to, to the person as well. Like. I think when you're watching a comedian and you're, you, you think I would really like to get to know this person, or I feel mm. like I, I know a little bit about this person and what they, they, they're, you know, how they tick. they're, they're emotional. Yeah. How they tick are, are that's, that's where the, that connection mm -hmm. is, you know, that's the, that's the connection I'm looking for because those are, those are the ones that, that truly make mm. it to that next level. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are coming to mind as you're talking. I mean, like you got the people who, who just get bare and raw, like a Mark Marin <laughs> or, somebody, mm -hmm. or somebody who's really, really putting out their opinion and a, <laughs> and an, I don't yeah. care what other people think sort of way, like Bill Burr. But then you have someone that you don't necessarily know anything about Jerry Seinfeld as a, yeah. as a person, but you know, exactly the kind of jokes that he makes and oh, he's yeah. the only one who does them that way yeah they he, many they people try to copy him. their voice <laughs> right right exactly yeah. exactly yeah for sure my my influence when i was growing up was was it started with richard Pryor, mm -hmm. and the and the the thing that i enjoyed that i loved the most about richard Pryor, like other comedians that have him as as their top is how truthful and honest he is in comedy, mm -hmm. right? And being able to share that rawness with an audience and still have them with you as a fan, you know, like yeah, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, because he's telling stories about him that don't paint himself in the best light, you know? No. Like he's not, no. he's not up there telling, you know, making people feel good about how they are. <laughs> right. Necessarily. Right. By talking about them, he's, he's talking about something awful he did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny. It's He's funny. And it takes a rawness <laughs> that takes like, 
I don't know, the guts to do some of that stuff. I mean, I guess that's why he's one of the top two all time, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So can you, as a comedian, work towards that? Mm -hmm. That's the tricky part because there's not many people who can, you know? There's not. And there's, and there are a lot of famous people who don't, (laughs) they've found a way to get, you know, you make a living and get well known, but they're, you know, they're not like that raw. They're not that open. They're not that honest. (laughs) No, they're just super polished, you know? Yeah. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. There is, there is definitely is. People need different vibes sometimes when they want to be entertained. They just want like, ah, let me just turn my brain off. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, right, some people right. need that. So I'm not, I'm not, and sometimes it's just like, I don't want to, you know, like you can't watch Seth Myers and, and John Oliver all the time, you know, no. just because it's like, no. you can get no. depressed about where the world exactly. is. You gotta, you gotta have somebody who's just being silly for the sake of it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shang Wang is the perfect example. Actually, Shang Wang is just fun to watch. You know, mm-hmm. you know, his jokes are, his jokes are technically sound and, but he just, he's so different than everybody else yeah. and the way he, you know, he does his jokes. So that, that novelty is something that people look for, you know, in the yeah. industry, that type of thing. So yeah, you know, if you're, if you book Sheng Wang, you're getting somebody that's different than anybody else on yep. that show. Yeah. Right. That's how it goes, you know? Yeah. You had Clayton English on Mr. So a bunch. And, and I, you know, he's, if people don't recall, he won last comic standing many years ago yep. and he's excellent comic, super funny. After that, after my set, when I went back to the green room, he was having a conversation with Mia Jackson and he, he paused for a second to look at me and go like, Hey man, you're funny. Uh, that that felt good. That felt nice. He's yeah. super great. He's very clearly got his own voice. And you've been able to right. work with him a ton. Were, had you worked with him before he blew up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I brought him to Toronto when he was, when he'd never crossed the border ever. He had never gone outside of the U.S. And it was... I, I had seen him at open mics in Atlanta, Georgia. We were both doing open mics at the same time at, at the time at this fat comedy was what it was called. And Drew Thomas was the host of that. I would go up, Clayton would go up, but that's, I knew right away that he's, he would make any audience laugh. Not just, not just a black audience, right? Any audience would mm-hmm, connect mm-hmm. to him, yeah. you know? So there's, that's the thing is like, there's very few who can connect to all different kinds of audiences. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You want to have people who can connect to different kinds of audiences or connect with maybe an audience in a big way, but there are just so many different kinds of people out there. And yeah, it's generally is better to book people who all of them can relate to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're, they're more marketable. They're more (laughs) like they can play all different kind of venues, all different kind of cities, Yep. but I mean, that's not to say that I'm not, I'm not taking the fact away that from other comedians who know who their prime demographic is, Yeah. you know, like 85 South show. Have you heard mm-hmm. of this podcast? 
I have so, heard of it, but tell the tell yeah. The so Carlos Miller is is one of the comedians on that show, but they they are huge in the southeast in the southern states. But you know, will it translate to? I don't know Toronto. I don't. I, I don't right. know. Right. That's a thing. So I, I do think they would do well. In fact, I would, I would love to have them come up to Toronto because I think it's just something so different that uh, people would, would gravitate towards, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are people who do, I mean, you know, I grew up on watching Andy Griffith's show and, you know, uh-huh. Bar- Barney Fife is a character that anyone who sees it gets where the humor, right. they, and they, and they laugh. They can't help but laugh, yep. even though it's very specific to a region and a time period. But, yeah. you know, it's always going to land because Don Knotts was so great. <laughs> Three's Company was one of the yeah. shows that I used to watch for some reason as a child. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'll still watch it. It'll, there'll be reruns on TV now. And I'll be like, I love this show. I don't know why, but I love the show. I, mean, I think it's... they had Felipe, the chef. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, Felipe. What a so great funny. cast. Oh, you know, sometimes I'll watch some of those old shows from the 80s or, or 70s. And like Good Times is a show where I watch it and I'm just like marveling at how great the talent is. But it's mm-hmm. it's not the, the style and structure of sitcoms of that era is so far removed from television now that it get, you start to notice certain like a repetitiousness about it. So maybe right. you can't watch it all. Maybe you can't binge a season in, in a weekend because you might get tired of it. But one thing you'll never get yeah. tired of is just how great the actors are. <laughs> those actors crushed on all of those shows. Totally. <laughs> just, totally. You know, that, they, they were such good actors back then. There are a lot of great actors now, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you are working with just for laughs. You're, you're a talent booker mm-hmm. just for laughs. That's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you so much. Two months. <laughs> It'll be two months and three days in three days. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so, so I'm not even at the two month mark. <laughs> so there, there you go. That's and how fresh it is. Yeah. How did that come about? I, I think I had a lot of the prerequisites that they were looking for with my background in producing mm-hmm. comedy shows and, you know, in having knowledge of comedy. I think also yeah, our, our, our comedy, the way we view comedy was very similar with, with the people that I was interviewing with. So we aligned, we, we definitely had the, the same viewpoints on comedy and what comedy is. And it's pretty crazy. The. The whole process took about two months. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did their due diligence yeah. for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, checking, checking to make sure that I haven't killed anyone. Those type of things. <laughs> Got to do a know? background check. Got to do a background <laughs> check. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 when I finally got the call, they were offering it to me. It's just, it was unbelievable. It was like, I can't. I couldn't even understand it. Let's <laughs> tell my wife. I was like, "Am I, am I the new JFL talent programmer?" <laughs> you just you can't. There's there's so few people. It's such a rare position. And yeah, so few people hold this type of position in in the in North America, in the world. 
really yeah you know that it's it's definitely something that you know i uh i want to make sure i do a good job at yeah it's and, a pretty uh, big operation just for laughs yes not just oh in yeah stature as far as like how big of a deal it is it's obviously been a big deal for a long time but there are a lot of people who work there there are a lot of people doing stuff yeah yeah just for laughs is, is a global brand yeah they're 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 starting festivals everywhere they've they just had one in London, London, England, I should say. So that was, that's, that's newly launched. There's one in Sydney. There's one in Bahamas. There's one in, you know, they, they partner at Moon Tower and Austin Festival. Wow. There's, there's the Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah, there right? are tons. So there's so much. They're, they're, it's comedy. Mm -hmm. They are fully enmeshed in the comedy world yeah they are right? a huge brand yeah mm -hmm. and it's a lot of goals for a lot yeah. of people make it their goal to get to just relax oh yeah right. i mean it's a big big deal and you are booking canadian talent i am yeah i'm i'm in charge of all canadian talent a lot of people who keep up with There It Is, whether it's the podcast or the newsletter and or the newsletter, I guess I should say, are keeping up with festivals and mm -hmm. they want to know, can they submit to Just for Laughs? It's not. It's curated. It is. But how can they get in Just for Laughs if that's an aspiration? Yeah. I mean, in the U.S., for comedians to get involved, and just for laughs in, in Montreal specifically, either you're chosen to showcase for new faces, which is a show we have at JFL that newcomers to comedy, not, not necessarily newcomers, but people who have been in the business doing comedy can do a solid polished seven minutes, but you know, they have more time, mm -hmm. you know, cause a, a lot of the, the industry U.S. industry, bookers, managers, agents are looking to see those comedians who JFL has vetted as right. the next crop of comedians to take over the entertainment industry. Okay. You know, yeah. it's, it's been a, but that's, that's the thing. It's the process. The selection process is so difficult. Yeah. Right? For, yeah. for people to, to submit for things like that. Right. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's almost like you need to be seen. Right. First. Yeah. Right. And generally so they have I, to have an agent probably already. Right. Like so, they, there's, there is a new faces unrepped as well. Okay. So there, there is an unrepped a show and there's a new faces, which is primarily repped. You know, you'll get agents pitching their clients. So it is, you, you have to attain a certain level of professionalism mm -hmm. before you're even considered or right. part you of can't the be an open mic question. You cannot be an open micer to right. do this unless you're extraordinary, unless you, you are just the, the, the most <laughs> exceptional comedian that no one has ever seen that <laughs> yeah. adds that. And, and somebody just sees you somebody, one of our scouts sees you at a show. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, we got to check out who this person is right now mm -hmm. because they're destroying, right? But, but that's, that's very rare. I mean, I don't even know who in history would that apply to, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that would be a difficult thing to, to do. So I think if you're a comedian in the U.S. and you're trying to, and your goal is to get to Just for Laughs, 
you really need to focus. It, 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 what it comes down to is you doing the work. It, it really, that's what it comes down to. You mm -hmm. have to do, just like anything else, you have to create your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. You've got to build your social media network. You've got to crush at every single show you do. You know, build the tape, get some, get some video, put some, put stuff out there, right? And make it undeniable that we have to book you. That's where it comes. That's where, how you get onto Just for Laughs. Yeah. In Montreal. Yeah. If you, you're just, if you're just, it's not, sometimes it's not just about being funny, you know, you have to do the business side. You have to put that effort into, you know, creating your brand and <laughs> your, your, your following, right? Yeah. Can you sell tickets? Can yeah. you, are you proving that you can sell tickets in every city that you go to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's when, that's when it's undeniable. That's right. when, you know, and start a podcast, <laughs> do all, do all the kinds of things that will, will lead more people to, to follow or to follow you, yeah. you know, and like what you have to say. That's really, that's really what it comes down to, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, by you, by any comedian doing that work and just applying their trade and creating that following, you're going to get representation. You're going to get pushed. Someone's going to submit another thing. You might have to move to New York. You might have to move to LA. Yeah. You might have to move to Chicago. Mm -hmm. If you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah, social media connects everybody, mm -hmm. but you're going to be working a lot harder to. Mm -hmm. If you're staying there. Yeah, for sure. If you live in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. That's something like that. <laughs> No you knock know? on South Carolina, of course, but I mean, when I lived in South Carolina, I knew you're not going to, especially when I was living there, because yeah, that was a, a pre-pandemic world. You're not going to blow up on the internet. No. But you know who's a good it, example Who from, from coming from Charleston? Dusty Slay. Yeah. Dusty Slay is a perfect example. He was, he started in Charleston, mm -hmm. ended up moving to Nashville. Yep. Start just working hard, creating his brand, creating his social media following. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we're recognizing him in Montreal and in Canada, right? Yeah. Because it's it's undeniable now. He, now he's touring, he's selling out shows, mm -hmm. he's doing the you know the the grand old Opry stuff like that, and he has right. a market. He has he has a market for he has created a market for himself. But that is just hard work, and that. Yeah is what some comedians just have to understand is that they, that's what they have to do in order yeah. to get these opportunities, right? No yeah. one's going to just give it to you. That's the, no that's one's going to give it that's to you. Yeah. I mean, the most that someone will give you is an agent signing you because they saw you and they just thought, oh, I think I could see this person being yeah. worth signing, but yeah, that's it. That's there's, there are no free rides. You still have to deliver. That's the thing that people mm -hmm. don't think they, they want it all. And they think that it's just like a skip over to the side. And it's just not like that. It just, nothing yeah. has ever been like that. I, I, I know people will say, well, Eddie Murphy was 18 when he got cast on SNL and da, 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 da. And it was like an overnight success, but he'd been doing comedy for a while. He was in clubs in New York city, yeah. mm -hmm. making a name oh, for yeah. himself that way. And he was, he is the closest actually to that example of somebody just 
you know, essentially working at a club and then just making a name for themselves. He's the closest to that, but he was at a, he was a catch rising star. That's not, that's not the bar show in, (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. So like he's around people, he's learning, he's growing, and he just happens to be naturally so gifted. Dave Chappelle is another example. Actually, Dave Chappelle started at 14 was, yeah, when, when he went, was, when he was at the festival, when he was at Just for Laughs, they, it, it was, that was one of his uh, turning points actually in mm-hmm. his career is going to Just for Laughs and performing there because mm-hmm. it's like, this huge stage and yeah. And then he still, he actually credits it as, as mm-hmm. one of the turning points in his career. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. But and that's, his, you know, his material then versus what it is now completely different because he's grown and he's evolved mm-hmm. right as a comedian mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. work in progress yeah exactly that's you can't expect mm-hmm. where, where people are now to be where you're gonna be if just one person gives you a shot like it just doesn't work that way unfortunately <laughs> no so i mean if i was a comedian right now and i was just living in in the middle of nowhere in the u.s i would apply to all the festivals uh, the comedy mm-hmm. festivals around the u.s like mm-hmm. laughing skull festival the big sky festival the mm-hmm. you know red clay festival in atlanta the there's there's in fact I, I believe there was a website that listed all the festivals that you can apply to yeah it's uh there it is pod.com yeah uh, every, there you go. The first of every month i list all the <laughs> festivals with open submissions there you go and but when you do submit make sure you're submitting something that's Good sound, good lighting, good, yeah. good everything, you know, like make it easy for the booker to be like, okay, I see the potential. I see the funny. Let's take a chance and, and bring them in, you know, cool. put them on the show. Well, it's great that you brought that up because actually we're at the end of the episode. I wanted to create something with you. And I think the, the great thing that we could hash out for people who want to submit for festivals is how to do that efficiently, professionally how to do it well. So can you lay out the things that a stand-up or, or any comedian, I guess, because if someone's doing character bits, there are plenty of festivals for them <laughs> too. But can you lay out what these comedians should be thinking about and doing so that they can have more success when they submit to festivals? Sure, sure. I mean, first of all, look at the programming on each festival. See if there's a fit that sometimes festivals will help alternative show. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll have a multicultural show sometimes. And then just, just be like, listen, you know, this is the show that I want to be on. Put that in your email with your submission. I'm specifically submitting my seven minutes because I want to be on the dark show or, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, whatever it's called. I don't know. The, the nasty show, as they say, in, at Jess Relapse, right? But yeah, I mean, if you specifically put in what you're, what you're submitting for, that always helps. But the whole technical side of it is invest in a lavalier mic. Invest in a mic that you could put on your lapel. I can't tell you how many times somebody will go on stage just with their microphone, even with the microphone, and you can't hear them. You can't oh, hear wow. the audience. You can't hear. It's just make it clear. Make the, make that sound clear and get a tripod. Put a tripod. Get it up close. And, uh, really that's all you need is a tripod and a lavalier mic. Wow. I had not heard the lavalier mic before. That is a good shout there though, because your iPhone or your camera phone may not necessarily take the best audio. It may not be close to the speakers. 
Sounds too echoey. Yeah, it'll sound really echoey, but you'll get the crowd really well and not you really well. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really good mention there. Yeah. And if you're doing that, if you're creating those clips like that and you're not good at social media, honestly, pay a kid to do that. Go to fiverr.com. You can easily yeah. find somebody. Yeah. Ex- give them the media and say, I want clips for TikTok or something like that. And just post, just keep posting no matter what and build that audience, you know, build your following so that you don't even need to go to festivals because you're create you've, you've sold out. You can sell out shows just based on your social media following mm-hmm. alone, you mm-hmm. know, in all different cities and all different locations. Yeah. That's, that's something that I wish comedians would pay more attention to, but yeah, that would be my advice to, to get into these festivals, keep submitting. You may not get it in the first year, but, uh, yeah. the more you make yourself known and aware you, all you need to focus on is just keep doing the work, keep focusing on developing your act, working on being authentic and unique and consistently funny. That's, that's the key. If yeah. you're not consistently funny and like you send in a tape where there's no laughter. Yeah. Or a bunch of edits and it's clear that yeah. you cut out the parts where you didn't get laughs. Yeah. Work on your polished seven to 10, work on it, work, get that polished seven to 10 that where, you know, exactly what you're saying and where the laughs are going to come from. And you'll get into more festivals than not. If you're submitting a really good tape. Yeah. That's what I think. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Neil. You're welcome. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you got some good information out of that chat. Good luck to you in submitting to festivals. Speaking of, on April 1st, we're going to release our festival submission blog on our website for the month of April. Also, be sure to follow Neil on Instagram at Neil Bansel. That is E-I. He's an E-I kind of Neil. Also, go to hahaha.com for JFL info and Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. And subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter. And support us if you can. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Great episode planned next week because it's our 300th. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 